0: After 2020, it might seem an odd topic to uh, choose to preach on the topic of gratitude. And uh, when Mark Sanders asked me to preach, um, i actually preached all this sermon uh, about six years ago for the day. So, day. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought uh, what was in that sermon back then was again pertinent today uh, on the first Sunday of the year. If you happen to have heard it six years ago, it's still fresh in the memory. (laughs) Um, uh, Feel free to let your mind wander. (laughs) Um, If if my brothers were here, and you mentioned the word gratitude, the first person that would spring into our mind would be our maternal grandfather. Uh, When I was a kid, my grandparents visited every Saturday afternoon. Uh, And my grandfather, uh, my grandmother had a number of gifts for us always, she used to spoil us. And my grandfather would permanently have a beer by his side and the TAB form guide in front of him and the radio there to catch all the races as they came on. Uh, In between the races, uh, he would tell my brothers and I numerous stories of his youth. Um, And by and large, they were pretty true. (laughs) And and actually, my wife, Virginia and I, uh, we hadn't been going out for long, when she said to me, uh, I called my grandfather Panda, she said, uh, have you noticed that your grandfather's stories all start with the same line? They all start with the line. I remember one night when the world was drunk as lords, (laughs) and off he'd go. (laughs) He he had a very uh, tough youth. He was born in the middle of the first world war uh, His father was a womanizer and an alcoholic uh, He shot through um, Leaving my great-grandmother with four young kids uh, she had cancer at the time and She had to struggle t- as a school cleaner to try and make ends meet with constant ill health um, My grandpa was actually a very bright student but Uh, Poverty determined that he was only going to have a primary school education. So he left school at the beginning of the Great Depression, which keeps being compared to times now, but anyone who knows their history would know that there really is no comparison to the Great Depression and what we're going through now. It's really, it trivialises what happened during the Great Depression. Anyway, he worked as a rabbit trapper in the Kuril. Uh, he was a gold miner here at Jupiter Creek at a um, He was a woodcutter at Kaipo Forest. Um, what else did he do? Oh, for some years during the Depression, like thousands of people, he lived under hessian on the banks of the Murray, uh, getting occasional fruit picking, but mainly thieving to sustain himself. Um, during during the war, he was posted to Darwin and survived uh, the bombings there in short he started his life with all the cards stacked against him and often if i think of him i think if anyone could have a chip on their shoulder about the cards that they could tell it would be my grandfather but when you spoke to him sort of gratitude and thankfulness just oozed from him he always done something that he was happy about it some bonza bloke that he was pleased to have a beer with or uh, he was thankful for anything and everything, and if he saw the circumstances in which he lived, they were very simple. He remained poor for most of his life, um, and unfortunately, he took about 10 years to die. He, first of all, he had a stroke, then he had cancer, then he had a heart attack, and uh, he had hereditary peripheral vascular disease eventually when his legs became gangrenous they said we want to take them off and uh, they could only do them one at a time or otherwise he wouldn't have to survive and um, one of my, ma- my last memories of him is after they took his first leg off and I went with my brother and our young boys to visit him at his home and he just got out of hospital and when we arrived he was in a borrowed wheelchair in his boxer shorts and white singlet, with a sort of bandage stump there, and um, uh, and he was in fine form, saying, talking about his experience of putting his leg off. Oh yeah, the food was beautiful, and the nurses, you couldn't, you know, they were top notch. You know, they were really onza of nurses. Um, and look at this wheelchair. They've they've rented it to me for only twenty dollars a twenty dollars a month. I think he said, and. Uh, then he said, "Oh, Mum, Mummy he calls out to my grandmother. Get those cans of baked beans. He wanted to show us the weight program that the physiotherapists are going to do with cans of baked beans." And uh, it was very, and he was somewhat hopeful because he said, uh, "Given what's just happened, it was the weekend of the Adelaide Cup." He said, "I've just lost some weight, and I think I might be able to make the weight to ride on Monday." If <laughs> that didn't come to pass. Uh, But that was him as he stood, stared down the barrel, having his second leg off. Um, He had his second leg off and he didn't survive that operation. And uh, if I think, unfortunately, if I think about my grandfather, uh, gratitude did just pour from his, you know, from his being. And... The effect of that is it made him bulletproof against the suffering of life, the suffering that life dealt him. And uh, I wish I'd like to say that, well, I inherited that, I got his DNA, uh, but it bypassed me. But what it did allow me to see was how potent gratitude can be, not just in generating contentment, but protecting us from suffering that life presents. Okay, uh, can I go to the next slide please? It's interesting, uh, the Bible is full of exhortations to praise and give thanks to God. Uh, gratitude and thankfulness are the same thing. And uh, if you look at the Psalms... Uh, they're full of praise and thankfulness. Psalm 100. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Um, I actually got out of concordance last night and uh, there's numerous passages in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, about thankfulness and exhorting us to be uh, thankful. And often prayer and praise and thankfulness are all mentioned in the same sentence. Um, When you think of what we've received as believers, then gratitude should be a natural and automatic response for Christians. Uh, But if you're anything like me, I find that my level of gratitude can wobble about in a way that I'm not necessarily proud of. And I'm often conscious of this with my own thinking. And um, some years ago, when we lived at Crafers, I used to get up early every morning and take the dog for a long walk at the circuit that I did every day, sort of through the garden circle of Stirling, passing fairly. Um, expensive houses that play the game of how many Mercs and Range Rovers can you fit in one driveway? And walking on my own every morning in the, pre, in the pre-dawn Crafter's Mist, your mind wanders to all sorts of different things. And it's often interesting to watch, where does your mind go when it's not being restrained by anything? And often what I find myself doing is looking at the Mercs and the Range Rovers in the driveways and thinking, oh, why don't I have that? What have they done that they deserve that, and I don't have that? And uh, it's, a, it's a very old-fashioned experience. It's called envy or jealousy, and uh, I'm guilty of it. And it's not something I choose to do, it's where my mind will drift to. And But then I go home, have breakfast, get in the car, drive to work at Murray Bridge, and within an hour or so, I'd often be visiting some home in Murray Bridge, talk to a family, uh, that's sort of living with the effects of unemployment, poverty, disability, lack of education, lack of opportunity, and I think, well, there, but for the grace of God, go I, how thankful am I that I wasn't born into those circumstances? So you see that, uh, depending on where in the space of a couple of hours, Depending on where I chose to let my mind go, I could be filled with jealousy or I could be filled with gratitude. Um, now, sorry, Virginia said make sure you read the verses because it's been recorded. Um, <laughs> uh, Psalm one hundred three to 4 Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him bless his name and then philippians 4 6 do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god and then in thessalonians 5 be joyful always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances But this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, those last two verses, in some ways, they make me feel a little uncomfortable because we're being told to give thanks in everything. And we're being told to give thanks in all circumstances. But maybe I'm the only person in the room, the only person in the church, but I have a tendency to only be thankful when I get what I want. And if I don't get what I want, I can be dissatisfied with that. And so the notion of being grateful in all circumstances and everything runs against the grain. And even when I am grateful, it can dwindle over time. Next slide, please. Gratitude is our response to receiving something good. Uh, It can be Gratitude can be a, it's a bit like empathy. Gratitude can be a response that comes from here, your head, or from your heart. So it can come spontaneously, uh, just as an emotional reaction, or it can come from here as you think about something and dwell on it. Um, And last night, I don't want to give the impression that I do everything as a last minute preparation, but last night, reasonably late, Virginia asked me, how might gratitude be different for someone who is a Christian but compared to someone who is not? And uh, because of the, look, my grandfather wasn't a believer, but many Christians struggle to experience or display gratitude. And this is what I say: in theory, because the practice doesn't always fit with the theory, in theory, Christians should have a jump start in the capacity for gratitude. If we truly understand our salvation and what that means, a living relationship with a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing and loving, then you hope that we would all be brimming with gratitude. And it was, I thought it was interesting the thing that Debbie had in the communion that we need to remember, because I think so easily we forget key aspects of what our faith is and what it means. For some of us, Gratitude does not, it doesn't occur spontaneously and we don't have to work at it. Whereas for others of us, we need to work at it and cultivate it and train our mind in the virtue of gratitude. Uh, There's a risk that we can sort of, gratitude is just something that either happens or it doesn't and we have no control over it. But, uh, like many Christian virtues, uh, they require discipline and practice, which is not something we necessarily want to do. That verse from Romans 12, where be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's something that you need to work on over a period of time in the way that you think. Uh, Next slide, please. Gratitude is the cornerstone of contentment and happiness. It is also an antidote for depression. Uh, It's interesting in the, um, this is from my line of work, in the field of positive psychology, um, it's it's actually interesting for positive psychology because there's sort of these new innovations that are occurring. And if you go to training on them, usually they're presented in terms of this is a new concept that cutting-edge science has just discovered. I think oh, I learned that idea in Sunday school about 15 years ago, and it's been practiced in the Christian tradition for quite a few hundred years. But anyway, um, uh, and the, quest, the real question should be: Why has it taken science so long to catch up? Uh, but when I've asked that, it doesn't make me very popular. <laughs> Yeah, gratitude is the cornerstone of contentment. What they found is that for people who struggle with depression, a very simple but powerful exercise is if they're given a gratitude journal and asked to daily write in it simple things that they can think of at the end of each day that they feel grateful for. Like if I was within a period of six weeks, not six months, within a period of six weeks, their depression scores lower significantly. Um, we live in a highly consumeristic society, which functions best if the majority of the population is perpetually dissatisfied with whatever it is they have. Once you've got that new four-wheel drive with the chrome painted gutter box, ten minutes later you need to—you f- feel that you need—you can only be happy when you've got the new model with the double overhead gold plated dipsticks. <laughs> it ensures we are left in a constant state of dissatisfaction as we get caught on the treadmill of endless desire and acquisition. Um, Philippians 4 verse, that's 12 I think. Um, I know what it is, this was Paul, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well fed, whether living in plenty or in want. If we look at the flip side of gratitude, uh, it is a sense of unhappiness at the thought that we don't have something that we think we deserve. And often we need to examine that. You know, that if we're well happy or unhappy with our circumstances, and because there may be some people here this morning saying, Well, it's all well and good for Martin to stand out in front and say, well, you know, the Bible exhorts us to be more grateful. But what he doesn't know is that I haven't got this, or this hasn't happened for me. See, that's the temptation. I'm not belittling any suffering that anyone's going through, but that's what happens with our thinking. Um, And with that sense of dissatisfaction, often there's a sense of entitlement about what we think we are owed. Um, I'm intrigued. I like watching. I like watching Bruin Factor because marketing and advertising executives know all about what we want and what we desire, and that most difficult of behaviour: what needs to happen to get us to open our wallet and part with our cash. They understand the human psyche. And you look, watch, watch commercials on television, and how often, when they're usually when they're advertising a luxury good. Luxury item that at the end of the day you don't really need, but it will make you feel good or even better, make you feel a bit better than other people. And what's the line that's so often you know used as the catch line at the end of the day? Because you deserve it. Because you deserve, or because you're worth it. You see that? So it taps into that sense of, oh, this is what I'm or this is what I deserve. It's the antithesis of gratitude. Next slide. Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) Yeah, gratitude is also something that dwindles as we let our minds focus on the things we do not have that think we deserve. Um, uh, Kurt Marlberg, who most of you will know, uh, I had a number of conversations with Kurt is both about this, because he and I had visited Indonesia on many occasions. And there's this secret aspect of the experience, which isn't sort of talked about publicly, which is when you go there, you have this overwhelming sense of, oh, look at what other people don't have, and look at what I have, and I've done nothing to deserve it. And, uh, and I would... And Kurt talked about, too, that... You'd always return to Australia with a sense of, oh, how lucky am I? Somebody prayed this morning, thank you that we live in Australia. Yes, thank you that we live in Australia. We have so much that we take for for granted. But what would happen is, I'd return to Australia grateful, and then it wouldn't be too long before my sense of gratitude would dwindle, and I'd find it disappearing. So it's something that... Uh, without working at it it tends to dissipate um and oh, just got you, um, about my grandfather my grandfather had the impact appearance that gratitude was something that naturally flowed from him but we knew in well. world there were sort of sayings that he liked to quote and one saying that was particular uh, some of the sayings i can't repeat the term but, uh, <laughs> Uh, one of his words was, Australia owes you nothing. Australia owes you nothing. Uh, I'd, like see, I'd like to see a company use that line in your ad. i to their product sales. <laughs> um, And another line he used to, a saying he used to quote was, I used to complain that I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Uh, this was part of his thinking that, uh, you know, we can... We can feel unhappy and ungrateful with what we have, depending on who or what we choose to look at or compare ourselves to. Um, So next, uh, thanks. For those of us for whom gratitude does not come naturally, we can cultivate it by working on what we choose to focus on in our lives. Uh, I, I just need to point out that I put choose in capital letters. Because we don't have any choice over the immediate emotional response that we have. So if I was to suddenly give a $1,000 cash right now, she would suddenly feel possibly a surge of happiness. Okay? She has no choice. Over it. That's an instantaneous physiological response. But then what she chooses to think about that after that and from there on is a choice that she makes. And that's that's with all of our life circumstances. We can't necessarily choose our immediate emotional reaction, but the ongoing way that we think about something is a choice we make. Next slide. We do this by training our minds to redirect our thoughts to the things we can be grateful for. Um, So, there's good news. The good news is, we can all become more grateful. The bad news is, it will require effort on your part. Not just effort on your part, but it will require practice. Um, if there was a magic gratitude switch, for most of us, um, that would be great. But unfortunately it doesn't work that way. And, the more we practice this, the more it will become automatic in our thinking. Um so what it is, is that we can... First, first, we need to notice what our thinking is. And then as we notice our thinking drift to things that make us ourselves dissatisfied, we need to stop and step back and ask, is this fair and reasonable? And even within this, is there something that I can still be thankful for? Um, there will, will be some people who will argue... Well, actually, right now, I have nothing to be grateful for. Um, and all okay, oh, people say, uh, I, I've heard this, I can't think of anything that I can be grateful for. And one, I think that's very sad if people get to that point. But the other thing I'd say to that is, often, um, if i develop myself, it's often the simplest pleasures and the smallest things that give me the greatest pleasure in life that I'm most grateful for. Um, and we have a, on our fridge, we've got a fridge magnet with a quote from the Irish poet Yeats. Uh, Yeats said, The world is full of magic things, Wait, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. It's a really interesting quote. You know, that we live in a world full of magical things. And they are there already, but so often our mind is full of such other trash that we fail to see or perceive them. So the problem is in our failure to perceive, rather than the fact that they're not there. And um, in gratitude, doubles our ability to see life's blessings. Okay, uh, next uh, and and again, next. Um, Some remember Cicero, the the Roman Stoic philosopher. And this is a really interesting quote. Um, Cicero said, gratitude is not just the greatest of all virtues, it is the parent of all virtues. In other words, other virtues flow from us being able to, to express gratitude which is an interesting concept. And, um, and I guess I don't have any difficulties accepting that because I've seen how, how that fits with people in my life. Uh, recently, Virginia and I, this is a friend of ours, um, who lives some, quite some distance out of Adelaide. Uh, she's a widow. Um, she has no children. Uh, and in the last few years, uh, a number of the closest people in her life have all died. Um, and also at the time that she retired with her, had some struggles with the health as well and, um, and when when go to visit her I was confident to visit her to get for lunch and uh, I was thinking about her experience during coronavirus thinking oh what I expect is she must feel lonely because she's isolated and spends most of her days alone and uh, we asked her, oh, how have we been going? And she said, oh, uh, I just keep thinking, how fortunately I'm live in Australia. I've got a great spot that I live in. And about how I've got this and about how I've got that. And um, uh, she was brimming Yay! with thankfulness, and, which is not what you would predict when you look at the circumstances externally. Um, but then this particular person who we know well, what I'd say about her is she's remarkably compassionate. She's attentive to the needs of other people. She's incredibly thoughtful. And if knowing her well, what I know is that those, those great virtues that she has are underpinned by the gratitude that she has and, and can experience for the other things in her life. I can also think of the flip side of this, unfortunately, where people who feel hard done by right or feel that I haven't got something that I deserve, that sense of ingratitude uh, can often be used to actually even justify pretty poor behavior. Okay? So, you know, Cicero was around a couple of thousand years ago, there was a very interesting line of his next slide, please. Gratitude also helps us to cope with suffering that inevitably presents us, that life inevitably presents us with. Not by pretending that all is good, but by being grateful for the blessings that appear amidst our suffering. Um, I guess I'm, I'm, I struggle with some of the, how I might word some of this, and then I'll put some notes in here. I've got written here on the side of it, so I'm going to read it. <laughs> Um, uh, actually, but even before reading, I might just tell them a brief anecdote of some years ago. My brother and I visited the UK, and we were driving around, and I don't know if you've had that experience when you're driving somewhere, and somebody says, "Oh, yeah, yeah, my grandmother's aunt. She's got a plumber that lives in, you know, the back box of Northern Scotland, and they'd love to come and have you visit and think Oh, yeah, I'm sure they would and, and, and I'm sure I want to go there and um, and my brother made a, a decision on the behalf of both of us where I think it was his mechanic uh, uh, who said oh yeah my parents live in, in Northern Wales uh, they'd love to have you drop in on I me mean, oh, that's a four-hour detour each <laughs> way for a cup of tea that's a lot of driving for a cup of tea and um, so we set off there I wouldn't say with the best of attitudes, at least speaking for myself, I didn't have the best of attitudes about it. We arrived this couple in their 80s. And um, it was almost embarrassing when we arrived there because they were delighted to see us. They had this great spread prepared for us. Then they sort of said, well, we- We've prepared a bed for you each. And then we've booked the restaurant down the road. We're we'll taking you out to dinner tonight. And uh, I was starting to feel a bit guilty asking. <laughs> <laughs> I better come up with some Christian charity somewhere. And uh, uh, then they took us out. And he took us out, walking all around the place. And uh, um, then they took us out. It was a very expensive restaurant. He and pensioners they insisted on paying for us. So it's one of these things where I'm thinking, oh, maybe God's trying to teach me something in this. I was already thinking. But the real lesson for me was not until we were about to leave. And so, um, we knew that his wife was sick, we didn't know the detail of it. Anyways, we were leaving, he said, oh, we're so thankful that you came to visit us, because, I can't remember his wife's name, but he said, the news that we've just got this week is that her days are down to weeks in terms of when she'll die. And it's been such a blessing to have you here. And I think, oh, why? You know, the, uh, and the message of that is, is that if I look at their experience, um, amidst the the worst news you could hope for, they were able to think about generosity towards other people and the gratitude that associates it sort of with that. Uh, And then if I look at my gratitude on the end of it, I think there was a big lesson for me. Anyway, going back to this point, sometimes there's a risk that we can be guilty of what I would describe as an emotional prosperity doctrine. That as Christians, we should be continuously presenting a hyper face to the world as our faith enables us to vanquish all painful thoughts and feelings. The fact is that few of us genuinely have that experience and for those who do, they are often trying to fake it until they make it. Gratitude is not about faking it until you make it. It is about genuinely endeavouring to notice those things that we can be grateful for, whatever our current circumstances. It can, I want to also add, it can be dishonest and harmful to dismiss the pain that so often accompanies suffering. So you don't want to just... It's not about just trying to present some rosy view of the world. People experience painful things and we need to acknowledge that and not dismiss that. To do that is actually a, a destructive and harmful thing to do. But we can... Um, we can simultaneously acknowledge the pain and distress in our lives whilst also being grateful for the blessings large and small in our lives. Um, the last of my small family, Um, The last two years have been pretty tough ones. Um, I've had two life-threatening medical incidents. One where not only I thought I was a goner, the paramedics standing over the top of me thought I was a goner. Due to a progressive medical condition, I've had to give up work and the sense of purpose this provides. With this, my social world diminished significantly. We've had a substantial drop in our income. I was placed on medication that for the best part of the year put me into a zombie-like state and had horrible side effects. Uh, Virginia's sister was murdered and we had to sit through two lengthy murder trials in relation to her death. And at the end of that, justice was not delivered. Uh, I had my license taken from me on medical grounds, with all the restrictions that that entails. And with my deteriorating health, I found myself sitting opposite the specialist in an office with him, rather uncomfortably stating, I'm running out of tricks that might help you. Uh, I've experienced physical symptoms that give me a foretaste of an unpleasant death. Uh, And then amidst that, I find people saying to me, um, how worried are you about COVID? Um, uh, Because you'd be a really high risk patient. And... Being a good Christian boy, I'm too polite to say. Actually, it's never entered my radar of things to worry <laughs> about. Um, and it would be dishonest of me to say that uh, we've coped with all of those things with ease and with the joy of the Holy Spirit flowing through us constantly. Uh, the reality is, certainly, I would say that I felt a full range of emotions. Um, that uh, have been pretty tricky. But, but amidst this, I actually don't have to ponder too hard to find myself being genuinely grateful for a number of things. My faith in a loving and all-powerful and wise God, that live or die, I'm held and loved by God. I, I have no fear of death a happy marriage and a son I love, living in Australia, a good family, many close friends, a caring church community, the modern medical system, wow. a beautiful garden, good humour. Virginia might actually say wow. frequent child <laughs> Uh, one thing I'm particularly conscious of that some of the difficulties in the last couple of years have provided is the clarity it gives about what is important in life. Uh, some people go to their graves having never learned that. I'm also thankful for the new honey-ears and the eastern spinebill that feed on the kangaroo paw flowers right outside the window where I eat my breakfast. And I could go on. And those things are potent. Next slide, please. Uh, Give them a tinder ramble. I've got to put things in a nutshell. Um, The Scriptures repeatedly exhort us to be thankful in all things. Next, please. Gratitude is a conscious choice we make to direct our energy to focusing on God's blessings rather than our current discomforts. Even in the most difficult circumstances, we can still find things to be thankful for. This slowly transforms our minds, as well as making us happier. It takes lots of practice. It does not require us to pretend to be happy. As we become more grateful, acting in a kind and loving way occurs spontaneously. Okay, next slide, And I, um, I think I should have been a school teacher because I'm going to inflict homework on you. And I just need to tell them in advance that everyone's required to do this and bring a summary of it to church next week. It'll be checked by the COVID partial. <laughs> and if you don't get at least 7 out of 10, you won't be allowed to enter the service, sorry to warning of that. Um, this is the homework. Number one, notice your thinking this week, and when you are having times of dissatisfied thinking. And when you are dissatisfied, what happens do you see in your own thinking? What is it that I think that I'm entitled to, to that I think I do not have? Look a bit about, when you have a sort of life-threatening illness, that's a very distressing thing. But I've spent, believe me, I've spent a great deal of time considering this. Do you know what underpins that distress about dying young? It's a belief that I have the right to live into my aunties. That's something that most people have in our society, and I come to expect that. But, but when I consider that at length, what gives me the right to think that I should live into my 80s. That's a very modern notion. It's a very modern notion. And am I entitled to that? In fact, are any of us entitled to that? Historically, it's a very unusual thing. After doing that, when this occurs, redirect your thinking back to those things you are grateful for in your life and reflect on what or why you are grateful for these. And these may be large or small blessings. They can be relationships, friendships, family. They can be about where you live. It can be about good health. It could be about little things. Just a simple interaction that you might have had with somebody on the bus this morning. So sometimes we need to think carefully and broadly about what it is that we can be grateful for. And then this is another third point. This is for the extension students. Um, this isn't compulsory for the the middle of the roaders Um, for the extension students make a daily habit of consciously writing down three things that you are grateful for that day and thanking God for them Um, and then next slide it's a quote from Christian Mystic friend that I mentioned earlier that you and I visited, she often quotes him and quotes this, if the only prayer you ever prayed was thank you, it would be enough, Meister Eckhart. So uh, I might just close briefly with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings you've bestowed on us, both large and small. We pray that we can be more attuned all the things we can be grateful for. We also pray for all of those who are suffering in prison, whether it be their employment situation, ill health, family or relationship troubles, finances, loneliness or poor mental health. We pray for your comfort and wisdom for them and also amidst their dis- distress that they may find experiences and relationships for which they can be grateful. We pray this in the name of your Son Lord Jesus Christ.